0: It's really good to be here on Youth Sunday. And today we're going to be talking about the book of Ephesians, which is a really good thing to talk about on Youth Sunday, especially because one of the things you learn from the book of Ephesians is that the church, this group of people we belong to, is a family. And a family includes different kinds of people, people of all ages, and uh, people, it turns out, in this family, from all different countries, speaking all different languages, and at the same time, brothers and sisters. And it is a really amazing thing that God has done in making the church, the body of Christ, a family. And, you know, when we talk about the church as a family, we are not just using that word as an illustration which we sometimes think. We think the church is like a family. But we all come from a family. But we think the church is only like a family. Well, that's not true. Church is not like a family. The church is actually a family. And God himself is the father of this family. And he... When we put our trust in Christ, God becomes our Abba Father. You know, lots of people call God their Father. And God is, in one sense, the Father of all humanity. But there's a special group of people, the people who belong to Jesus, our God, brother, the people who belong to Jesus can call God Abba. And Abba means the same as dad, daddy, papa. It's a term of love and affection. So God is a welcoming, encouraging, provider father to us in the family of god and here's another thing there's only one family to which we all belong so god doesn't have families all over the place god has a family and what we've learned in the book of ephesians is that god has blessed us to make us his family god has blessed us it says with every blessing God has blessed us there's not a blessing that we're missing there's not a blessing that we could get that we haven't already got doesn't always seem that way I know but that's what the scripture says that's what the Bible tells us about our father God And he's done this just because he is good, as we sang so much today. He's good. You know, when I was a kid, sometimes even now, I don't always like to find out what is good for me. Have you ever had this experience? Do you know of something that's good for you that you don't particularly like? They tell me that liver is good for me. And you know what I've discovered in this life? Almost nobody likes the taste of liver. I have met a few crazy people. Hey, Bob. I have met... A few crazy people who like the taste of liver. But here's the thing. When I was a kid, my mom, my mom is one of those crazy people. Hi, mom. My mom is one of those crazy people that claims, I'm not sure I believe it, that she actually likes the taste of liver if you put enough onions on it. But when I was a kid, sometimes... That was dinner. And you know what they said? It's good for you. Not everything that's good for us tastes good. Not everything that we need comes with, I know I need it. Some of the stuff I need, I don't know I need. Some of the stuff that's good for me, you got to tell me or I don't want it. In this text we're going to look at today, Paul prays. And here's something I've noticed about the prayers in the Bible, the prayers where the apostle prays for the church or even when Jesus prays for us. They pray for things that we need. They ask God the Father to provide for us those things that are good, and here's what I should notice if In the Bible there's a prayer and someone is praying for us the people of God the family of God praying for something that must be something that is good that something that we really need and some of these things are kind of unexpected this thing that we need well This prayer that we're going to look at today is in the book of Ephesians, and if you have a Bible, you could look at it yourself, Ephesians chapter 3. Now, in this prayer, the apostle prays for something... That I do feel the need for quite frequently. See if you can hear what it is. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 14 to the end of the chapter. For this reason, hmm, I wonder what the reason is. But anyway, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth, derives its name. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints... What is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now Paul says, for this reason, what is the reason? Well, it's all that we've read up in the book of Ephesians so far. That God has blessed us, that God has raised us from the dead. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we read that you were dead but God because he loved us has made us alive again together in Christ. He seated us in the heaven in heaven in Christ. So this is hard to see in the world around us, but the fact is that I am united to Jesus Christ. And when he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. And when he went up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, I, in him, am there too. Hard to figure. but That's the facts. So God blessed us. God raised us. God seated us in Christ in heaven. God created us One new man. This is what Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sins. One of the things that he accomplished in doing that was making all of us separate people. All of us people who were isolated from each other into one new person. And here we are. In the church, we are one new man. They say one body. He reconciled us together in one body to God. So God didn't just save you and me, each one of us. God saved us together all at once. All is like one big person. That is all of us together. God is doing some amazing things here. So we become one. So when we get together and we have the body of Christ together, one of the sources of our joy, one of the things we sing about is that we're singing together. Have you noticed the difference between you singing and us singing? I've noticed... I think I sing pretty good. But here's the thing. I really sing my best when I sing with all of you. When all of our each one voices come together and make one voice together. There's something great and mysterious about that, but real. Something we need that oneness. And so we read in the book of Ephesians that God made us one nation from all the nations. And if you look around in our church, you can see we're from, I don't know, a dozen different nations at least. A dozen different nations, but one new nation in Christ. All the nations He assembled together, all those things that divide us and that make it, making us and them, he has obliterated all those things and made us one nation, one family, one temple, he says. And that kind of gets to the day's One dwelling place of God. Where does God live? Well, he lives in heaven, right? You know where else he lives with us, and not just with us, in us, you remember that scripture that destiny read earlier: We abide in him, and he abides in us. That word abide it means to dwell, to live, to reside someplace. Where is your house? You know, you have a house somewhere, but if you are in Christ, Christ is your house and you, together with the rest of us, are his house. And That's what the book of Ephesians teaches. We are the place where God lives. Wow. So, I just want to look at this prayer and think about what this means. First thing we see in the prayer is who Paul is praying to. He says, uh, I ask the Father. I bow my knees before the Father. What is the? Who is this Father? From whom the whole family in heaven and on earth. Oh, so you see this family is not just the people who are still alive. It's the people... Who have passed on before us. The whole family, that whole family is named by this Father. We are the family that are the children of this Father. What does he ask? He asks for something I often ask for strength. Do you ever ask for strength? In fact, many of the things we pray and ask God for are kind of in this category, strength. We pray and we say, Lord, help me on this test. What's that asking for? Strength. Strength in test-taking. Or we say, I'm going to have a challenging day at work, Lord. Give me strength. I'm going to have a hard day at school. Give me strength. Or someone, some friend of mine is mad at me right now. Give me strength. Help me handle it. So, Paul says that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. And the word power means to give you some ability that you don't have unless God gives it to you. Do you know that there are abilities that you cannot have unless God gives it to you? I could go to the gym and work out. You can tell by looking at me I really don't do that. But I could go to the gym and work out and build up my physical strength. But even that depends on things that God has given me. But there are some strengths, some powers, some abilities that I cannot have except by the work of God. For example, a person does not come to faith, doesn't believe in Jesus until God does something in that person to strengthen them to believe. Well, what is this power for? I wonder. Well, before we talk about what is for, let's talk about how much Paul is asking for. Here's something my dad used to say to me when I would say, can I have, I don't know, what do you want? What do you want your dad to give you, a new bicycle? Can I have, oh, here's one we used to ask for. Can we have a motorcycle? a car my dad would say this when we asked for stuff why don't you ask for and then he made something crazy why don't you ask for a million dollars why don't you ask for an airplane why don't you ask for uh what a flight, yeah an airplane he'd name something really crazy and he'd said he'd say this look if you're going to wish wish big it was his way of saying well that's not going to happen either but what does paul ask for he's asked for that we would be strengthened with power how much how much it's right here in this phrase according to the riches of his glory. Paul is asking big. He's not asking for a little bit of power. He's not saying, Lord, help me out, please. He's saying, strengthened with power according to his unsearchable, wealthy glory. How glorious is God that much in other words to an unlimited extent he's asking for god to strengthen us in an unlimited way how how is this power going to be delivered how is god going to communicate this power to me or to you here it is right here in this expression through his spirit the spirit of god god is eternal being one being with three eternal persons the father the son and the holy spirit and the holy spirit is that is god communicating is god moving is god in us really hard to figure this out it's really really impossible to really entirely figure it out because we're talking about God and if we could figure out God then he wouldn't be much of a God but the spirit of God the third person of the triune God through his spirit God is going to communicate to me or to you this strengthening this power, this ability that we don't have if he doesn't do it. So that means this ability that he's talking about, whatever it might be, this ability that he's talking about, this power is supernatural. It is not a power that regular old human beings possess if it is not communicated to them by God, through his Spirit. Hmm. And where are we going to receive this power? In the inner man. On the inside. You might say in our hearts. This is spiritual ability of some kind. It is delivered, transmitted to us by God, by the person of his Spirit. Wow. What does it mean when we say God is our Father? It means we have come to be related to God. And how is this relation? How does it happen? It happens by the communion of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how. So when you come to church and when we're together in the family of God, the thing that makes us brothers and sisters is that we all have each one of us and all of us together the very Spirit of God dwelling in us. In the inner man, He gives us strength. He doesn't give us strength by taking us to the gym. He communicates His strength to us in our hearts. What is this strength for? What is this ability that the Spirit, that Paul is asking the Spirit to give us? What is it for? It's in the very next expression in your text, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Well, that's odd. Doesn't Christ already dwell in your heart? I mean, he's writing this to people who believe in Jesus, to the family of God. Doesn't Christ already dwell in your heart? When I was five years old, I asked Jesus to come and dwell in my heart. I believe he did. Well, here's the thing. However much Christ dwells in your heart, you need more Christ dwelling in your heart. That's the thing you need. That's something you really need. And it's something you need strength for, apparently. Here's the way I think of it. How powerful is Christ? How big of a deal is Christ? How much of a person is the eternal Son of of God, who, along with the Father and the Spirit, made everything you can see and everything that you can't see, everything everywhere. How big is this person, Christ? Does he fit in your heart? That's a seriously important question. You see, for Christ to dwell in my heart means for Christ to come to occupy me. For Christ to be in me is a huge thing. It's not a small thing. And what this text tells me is I need the Spirit of God to make me strong enough to have Christ dwelling in me. because Christ dwelling in me is going to take strength. I'm not really ready for the occupation of my inner man by Christ. It's too much. It's too much. My heart is not up to the task of housing Christ. How does he then come to dwell in me? How does he dwell in my heart? The answer is here. Through faith. By my trusting him. Not by anything I do. Not by me (laughs) going and having some kind of workout or eating some kind of special food that makes my heart able to take Christ. No. By faith. I respond to the Spirit working in me, strengthening me to trust in Christ, to simply trust Christ and so to be occupied by Christ. This is what Jesus was talking about in that Scripture that Destiny read. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want and I'll do it. And you will bear much fruit if you abide in me and I abide in you. You will be extremely productive in your Christian life if you abide in me and I abide in you. And apparently, Christ can abide in us even though he already is fully ours. He can abide in me more. Uh, Jesus also said this, "If, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will love the ones who love me, and so will my Father. But they already love us, yes, but they will love us. They love us, and they will love us. And they will love us, and he says, And I will come to you and show myself to you. In other words, you will know me better and more christ will come to occupy us more and more spiritually mentally intellectually physically all of our being will come to be occupied by jesus so he says so that christ will dwell in your hearts through faith but that's not the end of the story and then he says so that In other words, Christ occupying me is for this, so that you will be able, that is, strong enough, so you will be able to grasp, to get a hold of, the full scope of his love. Here's something you barely understand. In Christ and by his spirit, God loves you. You know that, right? I've known that since before I knew I knew anything. Because everyone was always telling me all the time, God loves you. So you know it. But here's something. You know it. But you have no idea what you know when you know that God loves you. Does that make any sense? You know it. But what Paul is asking for this strength that Christ will come to really occupy, fill me up like to the, my fingertips, full of Christ by faith, so that I will start to get it about just how God loves me in Christ by his Spirit. I'm only started on that, and I've been working on it for a long time but I'm only started all for the rest of eternity in heaven. We will be thinking about, oh, so that's how he loves me. I'm never going to fully get it. That God loves me to the extent that the very Son of God, eternal God himself, would become one of me and become a man and die for me. In this, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. That is over my head. I'm just now beginning to get it. And Paul is praying that we, Christ, would dwell in our hearts so that we would be able to get a hold of, to really get it about the love of God in Christ. Here's something. You know God loves you, but you don't know enough. Not even close. You need to know more how God loves you. You need to see it better than you see it right now. Oh, and by the way, he mentions that we grasp this with all the saints. Because here's something. you know something that I don't know about the love of God. You have experienced the love of God communicated by the Spirit of God in your heart in a way that I have not yet experienced it. And that's true even if you're very young. Each of us has an experience of the love of God that is ours, and yet together we know it. And so it's in my fellowship with you that the love of God becomes more real to me. It's because we are together in the family of God that we experience more the love of God. That we see it in each other. That when I express the love of God that He's given to me, you experience the love of God. We share it. And because we share it, It's even more than what I understand myself alone. And it's not just what I know plus what you know plus what you know. It's what we know together. Oh, and here's something he says right here about the love of God. That you would know the love of God which, what, surpasses knowledge. He's telling us that Paul's saying, oh Lord, please help your people to trust in Christ, pa- empower them by the very Spirit of God to trust in Christ so that they can start to see, really see your magnificent love for them, which they will never see fully. It surpasses knowledge, but it is the thing you want to know. And because it's the thing you want to know and it surpasses knowledge, you will be never, ever done finding out about it. And that is fantastic. Every day for all eternity, you will get up in the morning and see something new about the boundless love of God. that is demonstrated on the cross of Christ and poured out in our hearts, according to the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 5, poured out in our hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so the third thing here is, so you'll be able to get the love so that you will be filled up to all the fullness of God In the book of ephesians the church itself the body of christ is called the fullness of god where does god fill right here right here the church is the fullness of god who fills all that means all of us in all in the whole group God fills. How does He fill? We just read this Paul's asking that we would be filled. How? How? The Spirit of God will strengthen us to trust in Christ, and so, trusting Christ, we will come to know, really know more than we ever did before, but still nowhere near the whole thing, the love of God. And so, be filled. Filled. That's why every Sunday, this worship service is a is a getting, not a bringing. When you come here, there's no sacrifice for you to make. Not a single one. You can give, but you can't give anything you didn't get. And God lets us in on his giving to others. That's true. But you can't give anything he didn't give you. You can't serve at any service with which he hasn't served you. And so what we do when we gather for church is we get together and party celebrate, remember what Ephesians chapter 1 said at the very beginning, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What he says in Romans, if God gave his only son for you, is there anything he would not give you? No, the only thing he would not give you is something that's not good. As it says in the Psalms, no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Who are those who walk uprightly? Those who are in Christ who walks uprightly. To be filled to all the fullness of God. No room for anything else. That's what filling is. So Christ is so I'm so full of Christ, there's no room for anything else. And so I begin to act in Christ. I am Christ to you, and you to me, and we to the world around us. The fullness of God is something that can only be actually completely realized in the body of Christ. In me, it's partial. In you, it's partial. In us, it's the whole body. This is what I really need. The strengthening ministry of the Holy Spirit to know Christ. To see Him for real. To trust Him. And to know His love. To experience His love. To wake up tomorrow and get it a little better. To come back to church next week and see it in someone else again like I didn't see it last week. To see it in the ministry of these people who faithfully work, diligently work to serve the love of Christ to our kids every week. Thank you. They don't just do a thing, they love people. And they love people because they are so well-loved. And when we gather, I mean, people do practical stuff, set up chairs, clean the place, operate sound equipment, play musical instruments, all for the love of Christ. It's exhibited every week. Or some people, you don't see them doing anything, but they are praying. It's probably the most important ministry, and it's invisible. Some people come, and they just smile and shake your hand and share with you the love of Christ in that simple way. Or in a casual conversation where they just ask you how you're doing and they really care. All these things are expressions of the love of Christ in the body of Christ and help us to see it. Now, there's an ending on this prayer. There's a big, big fat amen on the end of this prayer. Yeah, and I'm not kidding. Now to him who is able. (laughs) Wait, you remember where we started? Like, I'm not able. I can't really contain Jesus, though he's supposed to dwell in me. Now to him who is able. That's God, of course. To do far more abundantly beyond. Far more abundantly beyond. I think he's trying to make a point. We don't grasp the magnitude of this thing, but the one who does, the one who is able to do more, far more abundantly beyond all that we ask. He just asked for all. And then he says, but God is able to do more. Or even think, This is an amazing God. He's beyond us. He's above us. He's around us. He loves us. Now, to him who's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, that's what we've been reading about, that the Spirit of God might empower us to trust Christ, to see the love of God in Christ. That power. Oh, and it's, by the way, the same power that he talked about in chapter 2, that raised Jesus from the dead. That power that works in us. Who are you, Christian? Who are you? You possess the almighty power of God in the body of Christ. You have nothing to fear. You can go and boldly Proclaim the love of God because you know it. You can risk your own life so that somebody might see Christ. Because you are safe. Sorry, i got to wrap this up. To him who can do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To Him be the glory. If Christ dwells in our hearts through faith so that we grasp the love of Christ, guess what happens? Christ is glorified through us. We shine Jesus when these things are true about us. We shine Jesus. Now, by yourself, that's harder. Still possible. But here's the thing. When you need help with this whole get the love, share the love thing, that's what the rest of us are here for. That's what we're here for. If you feel Isolated, alone, tired, unstrong. We pray that you will be strengthened by the Spirit in your inner man. And we pray that God might work in us to communicate these things to you so that you will be encouraged, that you will know the love in the fellowship of His love. Father, thank you for this great, great prayer lord we ask the same that you would by the working of the spirit in our hearts enable us so that christ can dwell in our hearts through faith so that we can grasp your love so that we can become the people who give glory to your name in everything that we say and do we pray in jesus name amen